everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet. Every month we've got articles on writing and the writing life. I write an essay two or three times a month for the editor's blog there. I talk about the intersection of creativity and spirituality. But we also have uh, video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Well, well, right now, oh, really fun interview I did with a guy named uh, Bruce Van Dusen. He uh, has been directing television commercials for 35 years, I think, 45 years, a long time since he was a young guy. And he's written a memoir called 60 Stories, about 30 Seconds. And it's a lot of fun and it's fascinating. We had a great conversation about working in that very uh, unusual field, the emotional challenges of it. Um, the mistaken ideas about it, and then what it's like to write a memoir about it. Really interesting, great conversation. It's up live now at authormagazine.org. Go check it out. And we're funded, well, by the great people over at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. They're still doing it. And like a lot of folks, um, they're going to be doing the conference virtually, their yearly conference coming up in three weeks this month. Today's September 1st, as I record this, as I do this live. So in three weeks, it's going to be up, and uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. I don't know if I'm going to be there. I've got another conference I'm doing simultaneously, also live. If you're going to the Alaska Writers Conference, uh, look for me virtually. Uh, but it's a great conference the PNWA puts on, and you can attend from anywhere this year. It's the upside of it. Uh, so if you want to learn about that, Go over to pnwa.org and sign up. I believe there's still room. I believe there is. Yes, indeed. So how are you doing, everybody? How are you doing? Hanging in there, September? It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Yes, it is. So uh, I'm really, I'm looking forward to talking to today's guest, Rhea Fry. She's an award-winning author of several nonfiction books. And also the novels, Not Her Daughter, because you're mine, and most recently, a oh, very engaging book, Until I Find You. And she's also the founder and CEO of Rightway, which teaches writers about the business of publishing, and not just the craft. She's here with us right now. Rhea, how are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm doing really good, actually. Thanks for asking. And... Um, so, Rhea, let's find out about you, you interesting person. You, you've got a uh, bunch of bunch of different things going on, uh, and you are you. So you've got three suspense novels. This is number three. Until I find you, this came is out number three. You, right. So that came out in uh, August, and yes. um, but you also have written these nonfiction books, which are which are sort of on health and fitness, and well, not all of them. But you have cheat sheet. About cheating men, they cheat on you yes. sometimes, and um, also the wo- a woman's ring. So your nonfiction books, uh, health and lifestyle, and sort of in the self help general category. Is that fair to say? 
That is fair to say. I, you know, I wrote them before I really understood what having a, an author platform means. Oh. So I found that I could, like, write the books and get those out, but I really did not understand the business of publishing and what it took to market a book. And and so the sales reflected that. But, I mean, it, it was such a great experience to kind of go through that and, and see how the publishing industry has really changed even over the last decade or so since those books came out. Right. Right. Well, okay. Well, let's just back up. Let's back up. So uh, you've got three, obviously writing very important to you. Um, and uh, was this always the case uh, when yeah, you were a, yeah. a young squirt? Were you interested in writing? <laughs> I was, you know, I didn't really think about it as a, as a potential career. I actually wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. I was a gymnast wow. for 13 See? years. Wow. And, and now, then can, a, Rhea, can I tell you, can I tell you, yes, I'm just going to, I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you briefly, but uh, you know, I go on the author's websites, as I do, part sure. of my very minimal research before I do these things. And I thought, <laughs> this woman feels like she's got the athlete thing happening in her somewhere. That's, I that's so funny. I snipped that off of you. Okay, so you thought well, you were going to be you a... Go. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's intense. I, that's intense, Rhea. The, intense. Yeah. yeah. I... I was a competitive boxer as well for about five years and a personal trainer for about 15 years and CrossFit and, you know, just have always been in the the health and wellness arena, but I really always loved journaling and letter writing. My father is a phenomenal writer and really introduced me to, you know, the love of words at a young age, poetry. He taught me to read from the TV guide. Do you remember the TV guide (laughs) that we used to get back in the day? That's that's how I learned to read, which is great. So um, it was kind of always with me. And then when I visited Columbia College, actually in Chicago, they had a really cool creative writing program. And And I just kind of fell in love with it and really always wanted to write novels. But I I actually started off as a journalism major and got very involved um, in some death row cases. I've been a journalist Mm. on several death row cases and worked on innocence projects and have always been interested in true crime and which kind of led me to (laughs) writing suspense. But I really, you know, I wrote a really crappy novel that came out um, when I was 22, which I don't talk about. I pretend that just didn't happen and didn't exist. <laughs> but but you got it, it out. Me. I got it out. I mean, it was it was a sketchy it was a sketchy publisher. It wasn't a great right. deal. I learned right. a lot of lessons on what not to do. But then I I really abandoned fiction for 10 years became very entrenched in nonfiction and writing for magazines and newspapers and different companies. And then, you know, in late 2016, I got an idea for this book um, while standing in an airport. And I was working three jobs at the time. I went home. I Two of those jobs, which was wow. super irresponsible. But I said, <laughs> you know, if I don't write this, if I don't write this now, I'm never going to write it. And I wrote the book in a month and got a book deal and a movie deal and what? everything kind of started. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. But it sounds crazy, but it was such a long laborious process to get there. Um, and it, it really took kind of the long way around to, to finally do what I wanted to be doing. Right. But you, so, okay. So that's interesting. So, uh, that was 2016. I was just yesterday. And so you, um, I know. <laughs> so you, but you were, you know, I, I think I, I was very much into sports. I never had real yeah. sights on doing it professionally, but it was important to me when I was a young person. And there is a frame of mind necessary to do that, you know, to the way you have to focus, the way you have to kind of 
work out and train whether you feel like it or not and goal oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say, and it was very helpful in a lot of ways, but there is also, I feel that in my creative life, I've had to, there's a, it's a struggle because I can't always put that athlete's mindset to writing because there is a very, um, you ha- there's such a kind of receptive nature to writing where you kind of have to let the ideas come to you. You can't just go out and chop wood yeah. that I have that, that the whole idea of winning, I have to put that aside for me. I have to put that aside because yeah. there kind of is no winning with creativity. There's just the doing. Does that make sense? Completely. A hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I approach it. And it was so interesting because I've just always loved, I love writing nonfiction. The bulk of my business, you know, kind of um, circulates around nonfiction, but I love novels and that creativity that comes with it. And I found when I was writing my first book, you know, I didn't really have a plan B, but I also didn't have a deadline or expectations from a publisher. So that was the most fun I've ever had writing anything. And then since then it's been a book a year, you know, there are very straight yeah. deadlines. There are definite expectations. And I find that the creativity has changed quite a bit. And I actually love the time that I love the most is not on the page. It's when I'm taking a walk and just processing the information and giving myself space. That's the most constructive oh. writing time I find in my daily life, which is interesting. Interesting. So let's talk about this. So, uh, you went not your is it is not her daughter is that the book that came to you in a hot flash yes it was okay. just kind of yeah that and that came out you know i i ended up getting a book deal i think early 2017 it's all kind of a blur okay. but then it didn't come out until end of august 2018 okay um and all now right. we're on on book through three right. in 2020 which is crazy so you do <laughs> all right so boom so you're doing one a year to so go from zero to 100 but so but that yeah. first book that book comes to you, bang, you're standing in line, you get it, you got to do yep. it, you quit the jobs, and then you download that book in a month, you know, and that can happen. But that's, you know, that's that real struck by lightning kind of creativity. Yep. But then your publisher says to you, great, give me one a year. And that's yep. a different relationship to, to creativity where it's, you can't, it's to sort of put yourself into the frame of mind to be inspired as opposed to it just coming to you because you weren't paying attention. And so was that, hard for you coming up finding oh, yeah. an idea that you want to tell it <laughs> it was okay so talk to yeah, me about that so i mean yeah so initially i actually sold a two book deal and had no idea what the second book was going to be i mean i was so invested right. in this first idea and so we you know rather than being struck by lightning it was kind of like building a plane in the sky coming up like oh what about yeah. this idea and this idea and i would workshop things with my editor and agent And, you know, finally came up with my second book, Because You're Mine. And, you know, this, I'm now, the third book came out, edits are due for my fourth book um, in just a few weeks. So it's been a very different process. This fourth book has been the most um, similar to the first book where I felt really inspired and really creative. But I'm talking to so many authors right now who are having such a hard time during quarantine and COVID, like even having the energy or space to be creative. Right. you know, you're trapped with your family and your children yeah. and can't get away. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you know what it is? They won't leave you. See, you're they a writer. Normally, you. they leave <laughs> and you yeah. stay home. They do. I know. I'm they don't. like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. Like, I, I've got to go. It's just, it's, yeah. you know, you do need that space. And I think, you know, a lot of us are lacking it. And if you're a creative person or you're used to having alone time, it's, it's definitely been a, a challenge. 
Well, I will tell you. So it wasn't. It was my wife works at home too. She's a writer, and artist, and so we both knew how to. This is what we've been doing. So COVID wasn't that big a deal. Um, sure. But for a lot of people, it is. For a lot of people, it is because they because my I have sons, but they're grown, and one one is living with us, but he's grown, so it's not the big deal. But I, you know, I know you work with clients. I work with clients too. I do. And one of the things I've had to I have to help some of them with, whether it, and almost always it's women is being able to close the door and say no to people say I'm working, especially if they, because they're so used to being there to help people, especially if they have children and it's so part of their identity that that's really tough for them. Not so hard for men. We can do that. But for women, I think it's it's true. But have you found that with your clients also? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, and and I have a very mixed, you know, bag of men and women, but, but yeah, I mean, I feel like women, especially today, it's like, we, we do it all. We can multitask. We take so much under our plates. And, and when you can't have, an escape of any sort. Um, it's, it's definitely challenging, but I'm all about boundaries and, and giving yeah. yourself space, even if it's in your own home. So um, that's, you know, one thing I do work with my clients on and, and setting that time, that undistracted time, locking the door, putting your phone in a drawer, you know, not having any notifications and just giving yourself creative time, even if it's not writing, but listening right. to music, journaling, thinking, crying, <laughs> whatever. Yep. It might be, but just, yeah, blocking off that time for yourself. Oh, it's critical. You know, I, I mean, I've been doing it my whole life, you know, so I just never mm-hmm. think about it. But when I started taking on clients, I realized what a different frame of mind that is. So many people, if they're adults, are used to go doing, going to a job or having people to take care of or something. But the close the door yep. and say, what do I care about? I mean, like I said, I've been doing it my whole life, so I just think it would be that hard. And I realized how emotionally and psychologically challenging that can be to just say, no, this is just for me now. Exactly. And, I, you know, I've been the same way. I've never worked in an office. I've never worked a typical nine to five. I've worked for tons of corporations, but I've always right. insisted upon being remote. And people have always remarked like, oh, my God, you get so much done. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not in <laughs> office. <laughs> I'm not distracted. But but now we're distracted at home because there's just, you know, I mean, social media and our phones. And it's just hard to to turn all of that off, I think. Can I tell you a secret? I have not worked in offices yes. much either. I mean, my day jobs were in restaurants and stuff, but I worked yeah. in an re- office once, very briefly, uh, Wizards of the Coast, this game company out here. And <laughs> I went in to work at this office, and I thought, my God, most people are just not working. Like, they're just <laughs> sitting around oh, talking. To- <laughs> There's so much not exactly working happening, happening here. You know, they've done, they've done studies on that where it's about the same with school. Like we homeschool, our, we actually homeschooled our daughter for about a year before all of this hit, but oh, it's been wow, proven okay. that, you know, there's like three hours of focused work that happens in any given day and in an eight yeah. hour work day, same thing at school. Um, the rest yep. of the time we're in transition, we're in meetings, we're distracted. Yep. So it's, it's kind of amazing what you can do if you just focus for one hour without oh, any other absolutely. outside influences. Yeah. So how's it going? So, so Rhea, you, you, she, you're, you're now a professional novelist. You have your business. I want to talk about right way, but you know, you're now yeah. you're putting out a book a year. That's that's it, right? And yeah. like you weren't doing that before. I know you had clients and you were doing a lot of other <laughs> stuff, but this is very right. different kind of lifestyle. Do you like it? I mean, I, now yeah. you've been doing it for a few years. It's it's so rewarding. I mean, I, I, the thing that's the most rewarding is of course, you know, hearing from readers is the coolest thing ever. And and (laughs) having people sit around talking about these made up stories, but 
honestly, just like connecting with other authors, I found the author community to be so unbelievably generous and yeah. the people I've met yeah. have been incredible. But I will say in all honesty, because I think a lot of people look at this job with rose colored glasses and they just <laughs> publish, but right. it's, it's a hustle. It's a hustle and it's a grind yeah. and it's not about writing anymore. It's all about marketing and selling and, yeah. you know, yeah. building yeah. Your, your community. And so I do miss, being able to write just for the sake of writing, because I find that now that it's a job and I'm getting paid for it, it's different. Of course it's different. I mean, that, yeah. that happens with anyone, but, but yeah, it's not all like, you know, rainbows and sunshine all the time. It, it, it is a job. And I look at it, my book is a product to sell. It's the first thing I teach my clients that this is a business and your book's a product. So that right. kind of takes the, the warm fuzzies <laughs> away from, from it a little bit. All right, so let's talk about that. So when you were doing your nonfiction books, I, were some of the, were these self published or with small publishers or no, what, no. how are they? Yeah, they're they're all traditionally published. Okay. Yeah, all mid sized some one one of the big five um, with the with the nonfiction books. But again, you know, just not really understanding the power of but, of your community and right. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say. So you you said to me like you you published me. You didn't really have an understanding of platform. Right. These days, it is hard to publish nonfiction books if you don't, if you can't come with some kind of platform. So, it, was this before platforms were such a thing? Yes, this this ah. is um, way before platforms were such a thing. And you know, again, I work primarily with nonfiction authors, and we always yep. talk about the two barriers to entry in the traditional publishing world. It's usually, you know, if your book is in a saturated market like health and wellness or self help right. or if you don't have that author platform, but I think people get confused. They think, Oh, it's just how many followers I have instead of really having a community an engaged community. And that could be not on social media. That could be, you know, doing conferences or your email subscriber list. Um, So it is more important than ever, but you know, I see people doing all sorts of things to build that and, and getting published. So you can definitely do it. It's just, it's a little bit more challenging. But the people who want to work with you, are they, because there's two types of writers, especially in the nonfiction world. There's some who mm-hmm. just love to write and are trying to get over the hump of, you know, they, they want to be writers. And others really are professionals who want to have a book out, you know, want yeah. to have a book to go with what they do. And that's a different relationship to writing, I find. Uh, which do you okay. see more of? I see more of the second. So I see more of people who come to me and we, we also do fiction as well. So we're, we're really mm-hmm. like a one-stop shop, but right. I have a lot of clients who come to me who have established brands, they have a business and they're using a book as a tool to further yeah. their yeah. business, to get more speaking gigs, paid, yeah. you know, paid gigs. Cause that's really where the money is. And, yeah. and they're just using it as one arsenal instead of just, you know, writing a memoir and, and right. wanting that to be published. So, yeah, I really, I really have a lot of business self-development um, type clients who just need it to legitimize their brand, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's a very different way to write when you're doing that because you just want the product. I mean, they would almost be willing to pay someone to write it for them, I assume. Oh, yeah, completely. And so that's why people come to me. I, I create what's called a book proposal, which is what you actually yep. sell oh, instead of writing an yes. audition book. Yeah, so yes. so I really walk them and coach them through that process. And then I actually pitch to literary agents on their behalf. I, I have a, an arsenal of – I do. So I have an arsenal wow. of agents, top, top agents that – I just 
established relationships with. And so this way you bypass the slush pile. You are getting your work in front of a literary wow. agent. We're getting constructive feedback. Um, and then we can go back and kind of tweak if we need to. And I'm really with those authors or aspiring authors until they get an agent or a book deal. I kind of pride myself on that. So it can be a real long game, but I want people to walk away understanding how the industry works, how to read a contract, what's a good deal, what's not a good deal. And, and really going in with eyes wide open. That is impressive. That is impressive. Uh, it's fun. That sounds great. Uh, well, it's, it's fun. Good. I'm glad it's fun. Uh, <laughs> it is fun. Why do it otherwise? I mean, money. Exactly. I know, no, no, it, no, no. You know? I, I turn, yeah, I say no a lot um, to people. Like I'm not in the business of, of taking money and running. My, my husband actually, he had a very like lovely senior UX designer job and W2 income and you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he quit his job in January to come be my creative director of this company. What? And then COVID hit. And I'm like, we have lost our minds where I mean, we're going to fold. This is never going to work. And then I found it was so amazing. I guess people aren't having the same lack of creativity problem, but we have been getting so many inquiries and so much business from people who are like, you know what? I want to write a book. And if I don't do it now, I literally am never going to do it. So I've actually found this time to be so amazing for, for people finally doing the thing they say that they want to do. That's great. So you see, and you're working with your husband. He's your business yeah. partner. He's, <laughs> he God. is, and then my All daughter's right. home, and it's just, I mean, see, again, I've threatened to leave my family so many times this year. <laughs> that's impressive. Over. You guys must yeah. really love each other, because I'll tell you, that would <laughs> seem to me, that would be a great, that's, I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, Clint Eastwood who said, if you want to know if you love someone, drive across the country with them. I think exactly. that maybe going into business together is the other equivalent of that. Yeah. I mean, we've been together a decade and so far so good. Like we actually, he's a designer and I'm a writer. So we've worked together on numerous projects and, and oh, we, okay. yeah, we just, we work together really well and it's, it's so far so good. You know, ask me again in a few months and we'll see right. if we're all still living right. and breathing, but you know, <laughs> No, this is good. This is good. You guys obviously sound like your friends, even. It's not just. We are. We are friends. Work. Very good friends. Yeah. Yes. Very important. Very important that. That's there. There's my pitch to all you looking for a partner out there. Um, well, friends. all right. So you've got book number four, and uh, that mm-hmm. you've got edits due on that. And uh, this, now let's talk a little bit about Until I Find You. It's a very interesting, yes. very interesting concept. Uh, it's a suspense novel. Our protagonist is, is, a, is a suburban housewife, widowed, losing her vision. Oh. And now, let, now yes. should, we, to, should we give the, the, the core problem in the story? I don't know how much you're allowed to, oh, yes. but you feel comfortable yes, giving. You, you tell our, our readers, our listeners, what they can expect when they pick this book up. Yeah, absolutely. So Rebecca Gray is a vision-impaired widow. So she's just lost her husband a year ago. She's also lost her mother. And she has right. a three-month-old son, Jackson. And, you know, she's, she's tired. She's in the throes of new motherhood. She's becoming kind of paranoid, thinking she's being followed and hearing things. And after a day at the park, hanging with her girlfriends, she actually faints. And a friend takes her home, tucks her into bed, 
And when she gets up, she hears her son crying from his nursery. And when she walks in there and picks him up, she realizes that it's not her son. It's another baby. But no one in her community will believe her. They think she's all mistaken. They think that she's just paranoid and tired and grieving. And so the whole book is, you know, is she really paranoid or has her child been swapped? And if so, whose baby does she have? And can she get her son back? Now, I think it's a fascinating premise and well executed, by the way. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. um, Did the... Did, was that the part that came to you first? The what if I'm a young mother and 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 the baby is swapped? What was the part that came to you first in that? Yeah, so I actually, true story, started having these reoccurring nightmares that I kept hearing my own baby crying, and I would walk into the nursery and pick up this baby, and it wasn't mine. And I kept, I mean, I kept wow. having it over and over and over oh, again. So God. I was like, okay, how can I write this though? Because of course, if you're even if you don't have your vision, you know your child, but it would never right. work if you were sighted. And, you know, I, I have terrible vision. I've always been afraid of losing my eyesight. And I don't think we see enough. I hate the word disabled, but I, I don't feel like we see enough disabled protagonists represented in our literature. And, True. you know, I thought it was so important to kind of write this strong woman who is struggling with vision impairment and I live five minutes from the Tennessee school for the blind. So I got to go oh. and with them and do all sorts of research. And I did my own like sensory deprivation walking right. around the town that, that this is set in and, and just really talking to a lot of people and, and realizing that it's actually not a disability. I mean, in some ways you're, you're more tuned to your right. child and your life. Um, but then I, I really got interested in how crimes are handled if you're vision impaired and right. some of the horror stories about like getting into lifts or thinking you're getting into uh, an Uber uh, or a Lyft and it's not. And just, right. oh, some, some just terrible stories. But, but yeah, so it started kind of with this nightmare. And then I was like, can I do this? And, and I'll be honest, like trying to construct a world where you can't see uh, was real challenging. <laughs> I don't think I thought that through all the way when I went to sit down and write it, but um, right. it it was still, it was still really fun. It was very challenging, kind of uh, definitely took a different set of skills and I, you know, struggled a lot along the way, but um, so far the, the feedback, from, especially from the vision impaired community has been super positive. So that's, that's been very nice. Good. Well, that's great. Uh, and so uh you also deal with grief in it uh, well. You've got yep. a couple women. Was that something you had any personal experience with or did you just have to just be a writer and use your imagination? Yeah, just be a writer. I mean, thank God. I, you know, I think I'm a little bit obsessed with losing someone very close to me because beyond my grandparents, I've never lost, you know, uh, a partner, right. a parent, a best friend. Right. So. I, you know, I think it's something that we all experience, especially this year, um, but we don't, I don't know, we don't often talk about it. So I wanted to, to dive into that a little bit and, and see, especially with this character who's grieving, but she doesn't really have time to grieve because she right. is a new mom and, yeah. you know, you don't have time to do anything <laughs> you're a parent, especially on your <laughs> right. own. So, yeah. so yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was a, a deep experience for sure. 
Yeah, I remember someone asked John Irving. He had written about someone who had lost a child, yeah. I think. And they said, oh, you know, how'd you do that? He said, I'm a writer with an imagination and two sons. He said, in my mind, it, I lose my children every exactly. day. Yeah. Every and day. So, yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. John Irving has a book called Until I Find You, ironically. Uh, oh, really? So, oh. Yeah, it's so funny. I didn't know that until this came out. And then I started seeing that everywhere. So it's kind and of John Irving wrote you and said, hey, what the hell are you doing? Why are you copying <laughs> I would love a letter from John Irving. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, all right. So, okay. So I, I, I may be sending people your way just because every once in a while I do. I do a certain kind of work, yeah. but it's different than what you do. And so I might send people your way, Rhea. But uh, if someone's like, oh, I, I'm a life coach who's got a guy, I want my own, and they want to, yeah. what do they, where do they find you? What's the best place to find Rhea? Yeah. So you can go to, I have my author website, of course, R-E-A-F-R-E-Y.com, but my company is Rightway and it's W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com. So it's rightwayco.com. They can schedule a free 30 minute book consult with me to talk about fiction or nonfiction. So we are truly a one-stop shop. We do developmental editing, copy editing, proofreading, consulting for both fiction and nonfiction. We do websites. If, Authors need websites or they self-publish and need covers or swag or whatever. You're um, really doing then, it all. Well, we're, we're doing a lot. I mean, and, and we also have a, a podcast just about the, the business of publishing. And we're, we're just really passionate about informing clients and empowering them to make the best decisions for themselves, even if that is self-publishing or hybrid publishing. I want right. everyone to have the right information. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I love doing free consults. I love talking to people about their goals and, and what they want to do next. Excellent. Okay. So rightwayco.com. Very good. Or, Correct. or, or com. Do you do book? Uh, do you do like zoom book group meet? Would you be willing to do something like that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do. I do. I live on zoom. <laughs> <laughs> this, this year, but um, yes, I I do all the things. I can do book clubs and groups and meetings, consults, whatever whatever anyone needs. Right. Excellent. Okay, one more question for you, Ria. Yes. What I want you to do is finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? I said it before, but I will say it again. It is a business, and you got to learn everything about it in order to succeed. And I, I really believe that. Um, I mean, writing is so fantastic, but, but it is a business at the end of the day. It is. It's true. It's true, people. Rhea, thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you. The book is very good. Best of luck with it and all the others to follow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Take it easy. Thank you. Yes, people, it is a business. It's true. It's true. It's a good business, but that's what it is. You are selling something to people, and they are happy to buy it if they love it. Yes, they are. Listen, uh, I'm going to be back again next week with yet another guest. Uh, Until then, I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. Thank you, my man, my friend. And to the rest of you, uh, go find something you love to do and, and do it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.